Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 124, our Sunday worship service for July 14th, 2019 is love. It is the second in our series, Branching In. The solution to any problem is to cultivate a consciousness of love. So our scripture today, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now, faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, there's that part. 1 Corinthians 13. Read it every time I do a wedding. It's, it's the thing. I love doing it. I love doing weddings anyway, but I love reading that part. In fact, I want to tell you that if you want to get good at life, Remember, Jesus said, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love's all you need and all that stuff. Remember? If you want to get good at life, get good at love. If you want to get good at love, understand what's going on in 1 Corinthians 13. Doesn't take long to read. There's only 13 verses in there. Take a look at that. And the thing is, it's really important. And I think sometimes because, you know, when I do a wedding, I, we do the prayer and I talk a little bit about how the first recorded miracle of Jesus was at the wedding feast. And I talk about a lot of stuff and I read some poetry sometimes depending on what the people want me to say. And it's a poetic thing. So sometimes I think people think it's like a commercial for love. Love, ask for it by name. But I'm not here to sell you that. You're already getting married. You don't need me to tell you that. Obviously, you've decided it's a good idea. That's not what it's for. And instead, that 13 is instructions. It's the idea that love is how this all works. Like I said, really what it's about is if you want to get good at life, get good at love. If you want to celebrate life, celebrate love. Understand what stays and what goes away. Understand what love is. And there's the things we like, how it says love never fails. We like how it says love rejoices with the truth. In other words, don't put up with somebody else's baloney. That's not love. That's codependency. And all of that. I love that. Love that. It's really important. And sometimes people skip over it. And because it's so poetic... I think that people take that last line, which is what we just read, that's the last part, as sort of a poetic sort of capper on it, like it doesn't really mean anything, it's the equivalent of remember to tip your waitresses, I'll be here all week, you know, that kind of a thing. But that's not what it is. It is the conclusion. If you understand that last verse, you'll get the whole thing. If you get the whole thing, you'll have a good understanding of what love is. If you understand what love is, life is going to work better. So this is a big deal. Faith, hope, love, abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. So we're going to think about that. We're going to talk about that today because it's the key to everything. If you want your relationship to work out, your romantic relationship, here it is. If you want your work relationship, here it is. Your relationship with parents, children, friends, your relationship with God, your relationship with the healing that works or doesn't work in your body, your relationship with the planet, everything else, here it is. Faith, hope, love, abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Well, you know about faith a little bit. Faith is that power that looks behind and beyond appearances and says, I'm not fooled by what it is on the outside. I know that there's something bigger here. Faith takes whatever was going on in the past and sees into the present. This is important, right? That's important. That's a big deal. Hope is that power that looks into the future and says, look, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I know I'm going to be okay because God's there. That's hope. Faith is an important thing to have. Hope is an important thing to have because they cover your past and your present and your future. But love, 
Love is the most important, the greatest thing, because love transcends boundaries of past, present, and future. Love transcends boundaries of over there and over here. Love just is. Hope and faith are things that you might have. Love is something you are. That's why it's important. Because love, by its very nature and definition, kicks down walls and breaks boundaries. If you've got boundaries in your life between yourself and the whatever good it is you're trying to work out, love is the power that'll knock that down every time. You want to get good at life. Get good at love. Now, in the book, and a lot of times when I do this thing that I do every Sunday... I talk about the idea of see, speak, and surrender. I'm going to go real fast because I've talked about that before. In every miracle you read about in the Bible, in every prayer that works in your life, those three steps are present. People say, how do I pray? And we'll talk about that some Sunday or something. But the thing is, there's no set script to it. Instead, prayer works because the specifics are between you and God, right? Prayer works when it has those three things in it. See, speak, surrender. If you can see something bigger than yourself, some kind of ultimate power, if you see God happening, that's where prayer starts. Prayer doesn't start with what you say. Prayer starts with what you see, right? We talked about this. Get so filled with what you see that then you can't shut up about it. Get so filled with what you behold that you take it into action. So see and then speak is the action phase. And then let it go. That's, yeah, <laughs> sometimes that's tricky, man. But that's the key. You want life to work? Do that. Like I said, every miracle in the Bible has got those three distinct phases. Every prayer has got those three distinct phases. And if you really look at your life, anytime something worked for you, every time, I'll bet you anything that you can find those three things happening. It's the key to the whole thing. And so people say, that's great, but how do I do that? Because I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I've been really good at one or maybe two, not so much all three. There are some people that are really good at beholding the thing, the C part. There are some people that can't shut up. <clears throat> anyway, um, <laughs> there are some people that are just really wrapped up in the action phase and they're doers and that's great, but that's not the whole story. There are some people that just drift along Forrest Gump-like through life and they just sort of surrender all the time. There's beauty in that. But no one thing will get you there. You need all three. So you might know right off the bat which one you need to work on. Get back to the gym and exercise those muscles. That's great. People say, how do I, how do, I do the whole thing? That's what I want. And that's part of the magic, the majesty of this piece of scripture. Because you can work on each of those steps in all kinds of different ways. But the way to get good at the see, speak, surrender thing, the way to get good at life is love. Because love is the power that if you're really true to it, will break through all three of those steps right away. When you see something that is really love, when you feel it, when you know love is there, you can't shut up about it. You start moving into it. And if you really love, you let go. Love is an ego in control. The Bible says so right in, 13, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is about letting go of something. So the short circuit, the shortcut, rather, is to learn how to love. If you learn how to love, the whole thing will work. And here's the good news. So like a Ron Popeil situation. But wait, there's more. <laughs> the good news is you already know how to do this. 
The good news is that love is what you are already made out of. The good news is is love already abides in you. There's that word again, and that's why it's there in Scripture. You already know this. In the book, we talk about the idea that you could take someone who's got the worst version of a life story you ever heard, where they've never experienced love in the outer. Now, first of all, that doesn't happen. Everyone has experienced some kind of love somewhere. Maybe it wasn't awesome, but it's there. But even if you have this imaginary character in an imaginary story that has never experienced love in any way, if you get that person and they're still enough and they're quiet enough and they're honest enough, even that person can give you some kind of definition of love. And maybe it's not a perfect definition. Maybe it's not a hallmark definition, but it's something. And I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've been through. There are people in this room and people watching from all over the place with incredible stories of heartache. And I'm not telling you to to just ignore what has happened. But I am telling you that no matter where you have been, you know something, maybe not everything, but you know something about what love is. And if you haven't experienced love on the outside and yet you feel it on the inside, it's the old question of who put that there. God is the author of love. That's why it's powerful. So what I'm trying to tell you is that this magic thing that makes everything work isn't something you have to go get. It isn't something that you buy. It isn't something that you attract or manifest. It isn't something that you earn. It isn't even something that you can evaluate. Love just is. It is at the core of you. And so instead of trying to go hunt for something, there's no retreat, there's no workshop, there's no five easy payments. All you got to do is decide on something that has been true about you since the beginning. Love abides. So just like Jeffrey Lebowski, abide in it. If you didn't get that joke, Google's your friend. Your minister did not tell you to watch that movie. (laughs) But it abides. You want life to work? Decide what you live in. Decide to live in love. Now, I know that that can be challenging. I know that it's very popular to live life based on who the bad guy in your life story is. How many conversations have you been a part of where somebody says, oh, it's those people, that one guy at work, he's got it out for me, or it's my boss, or it's my ex, whatever. It's it's the economy, it's those people, it's that country over there, it's that thing, it's these shoes, it's, you know, and come on. Oh, that's what's ruining my life. You know those people. I don't know about you. I've used that crutch before, but that's what it is. It's a crutch because that's so childish. And it is time for us to grow up. The truth is there are no bad guys. There's no villains. That's a childish idea. It is so childish to assume that somewhere someone is twiddling their mustache and wringing their hands going, ha ha, what can I do to them? You know darn well that they're not thinking about you at all. That's not how this works. And you know as well as I do, if you're the kind of person that has villains, you might get done with one and you'll create another one because it's so much fun to have the bad guy. But life ain't a comic book. Doesn't work that way. And it is time to grow up. The thing is that it's never about the outer stuff. That's one of the things that love shows us. It's never about the outer person, the outer situation, whether you have a car that works or not. Those things can come and go. That's the point. They don't. Abide. What stays in your life? And as we begin to grow up, we begin to realize that it's never about anything outside of ourselves. People say, well, I work this job that I hate. 
I don't even care about the job, but I work it because I want money. Well, the truth is I don't really care about money. That's just pieces of paper. I get the money so that I can buy stuff. And really, I don't even care about the things I buy. Even those things represent something to me. Okay, so you can work on this really weird abstract end of the picture and be tired all the time working on stuff that does not abide, that does not last. Your villains come and go, your possessions come and go, the opinions of other people come and go. You can spend all your time scattering your energies to the winds. Or you can remember that this represents a thing that represents a thing that represents a thing that represents an idea. And you can be the kind of person that fixes on the idea. What is on the inside? that lasts. Again, I ask you, what abides? Now, I know there's an art and a, and, a, and a whole economy based on the idea of keeping you fixated on stuff that comes and goes. The new razor blades have 23 blades. That'll solve your problem. No, you can just cut yourself faster. <laughs> Life is like that. It's easy to market to the idea of keeping you superficial, but keeping you superficial keeps you down. Keeping you angry keeps you down. And you know that. There are people that spend all their time mad about something. And you know what? There's things to be mad about. I'm not saying let injustice prevail. But I am saying the only way that things get better is with love. Keeping you mad keeps you still. Let us be like the kind of people that realize, you know what? All of this stuff I've been spending my energy on, it just goes away and I feel tired at the end of the day and I don't feel like I accomplished anything. Does any of that sound familiar? I've been messing with something that doesn't abide. Well, that's not love and so it's not going to work. Let us be like that prophet Jeffrey Lebowski and say, this aggression will not stand, man. The idea, <laughs> the idea that this anger doesn't last. It's not the truth about you and decide to put your energy in something that abides. If it lasts, it's love. If it doesn't, it's not. You get to decide what's going to work in your life. Now, last week we talked about the idea that each and every person is bringing in, from day one, they're creating the rules, the playbook by which they live. We talked a little bit about that. But what we didn't talk about is why that is. Why is it that we're continually drawing to ourselves what works and what doesn't work? Why is it that we care, for example, what other people think? Why is it that little kids get really, really excited when you have something in common? Hey, we have the same color shoes on. Hey, we both like this music. Hey, this cartoon. Kids love that concept. The reason that we seek those connections is because our operating system is built on oneness. The author of our hearts is the one presence and one power. So I guess it stands to reason. You are a love engine. And when you think about your life, think back for a minute. At any moment when you felt victorious, when you felt like something was just working for a change maybe, when you felt like you were in the zone, when things were working, when people loved it, when, it, when somebody clapped, when it felt right, when you felt powerful, when you felt on it. You know, think about those stories. And if you want to get to know somebody, tell them that story. It doesn't matter where you get your hair cut. Tell them the story of when you felt like you were part of something. Because they're going to know something about you that they didn't know before. If you want to be an interesting person, collect those stories from other people because they're beautiful. And what I have learned in my efforts to hear those stories of victory is that the details change. Because, you know, we're all here to work on different things. The details of the victory story change based on the person, and that's beautiful. It's interesting. It's fun. 
but one thing they all have in common from the dawn of time on into eternity is that every story, when you felt victorious, no matter what the details are, you felt like you were part of something. When you feel like you're winning, it's because you feel connected to something. And maybe it wasn't anything particularly world-shaking, but you didn't feel alone. You felt like you were part of something. So once again, let's not be the kind of people that get caught up in the details. Let's be the kind of people that fixate on the ideas and the feelings. The feeling of success is the feeling of connection and oneness. And if you turn that around... And I'm not asking you to dwell on this, but if you think about every story where you felt like a loser, every time you felt sick, hurt, afraid, every time it didn't work out, every time you felt like somebody wasn't listening to you, every time you felt downtrodden, whatever it is, I don't want to dwell on that, but if you think about what those stories all have in common, you felt like you were alone. You felt disconnected from something. When you're awake in the middle of the night, you feel like the only person on planet Earth who's awake. You know what I mean? It's that. So think about it. We're not going to get caught up in the things. We're going to get caught up in the ideas. And so the idea of success and victory is oneness and connection. Love. The idea that fails is the idea of disconnection and isolation. So you get to decide what gas you put in your tank. You get to decide what abides in you. You get to decide where you live. Which is a very long way of saying if it hurts, quit doing it. I could just send you home after that. And yet it's such a popular idea. If I get anything accomplished, one of the things on, high up on the list is I want us to get done with what I call endurance culture. The idea that life is an endurance event. That somehow you're strong or cool or sophisticated or mature because you can put up with a lot of stuff. Listen to the way that people talk. Hey, what'd you do today? Oh, well, this thing happened, and you wouldn't believe what the kids are doing, and the house burned down, and, and I'm in bad hair day, and, and I almost hit a motorcyclist on the way to church, and all of this stuff. People trade that. They wear it like merit badges. And look, I'm not saying ignore stuff that needs to be fixed. I'm saying don't give it your heart. Don't let it define you. Life is not about what you can endure. There are people that think that somehow it makes you tough. No, it just makes you immature. Life is not about getting tougher so that you can put up with a life that's no good. Self-help, spirituality, whatever you want to call it, healing, is not about getting stronger so you can go back in and swing again at a world that's no good. Life, if it's right, spirituality, if it's spiritual, is about fixing the world, not enduring the world. Jesus showed up and helped people that's what we are called to do. We are here to fix something, not put up with something. And that's a big deal because there are so many people that think that love is about just enduring someone else's terrible behavior. If you loved me more, you just let me be dysfunctional. That's a Hallmark moment. But I bet about half the cards in the Hallmark store actually say that in one way or the other. I'm so sorry, I'm still a jerk. Here's the card. You know what I mean? But here's the thing, I'm going to say it as clearly as I can. If it keeps you sick, it ain't love. And if you're keeping somebody else sick, that ain't love. That's codependency, that's ego, that's control, because I can control you if I keep you broken. Love is something that lifts up. And that brings me to namaste. 
It was so funny. I've been thinking about that. You, if you know me, you know that's one of my sort of pet peeve kind of words. Look, I love the spirit of the word. There are people that use that word, and they mean something very sweet, and I'm not knocking that. But if that's the only Sanskrit word you know, isn't it a little bit like the person who's only Irish on St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a little bit of appropriation. It's a little bit, come on. We're going to get better than that. Now, look, like I said, people that use the word, it's well-intentioned. It means something like the highest in me beholds the highest in you, and that's good. I like that. But so many times that word highest gets left out. So instead, namaste means I'm just going to let you be exactly how you are right now, and I refuse to challenge anything, and I don't want to be challenged either. We're all just going to stay exactly the same, and I accept everything you do without judgment and without asking you to grow, and I don't want to be asked to grow either. Namaste, just exactly like I am. <laughs> namaste. You going to grow? Now I'm going to stay. Look, I'm over it. That's not spiritual. That's baloney. That's not healing. That's not religious. That's not Christ-like. It's not even Buddha-like or whatever you want. It ain't that. It's a cop-out. Because love challenges. If I really love you, part of that means that I'm not putting up with your ego stuff and your control stuff and your dysfunction stuff. Yeah, you got it. I got it. We're human beings, but we're going to grow through it and get better. That's what love does. Love is the power that decides that what we have in common is not our brokenness. It's our journey of healing. And when your relationship is built on that, once again, your romantic relationship, your work relationship, your parent-child relationship, you name it. When it is based not on your brokenness, but on your journey of healing, things have room to get better. Now, any kind of love is a, is a declaration of oneness. Decide what you want to be one with. Decide. Do I want to be one with all of the stuff that we complain about? Is that what defines me? Or is there something else in me, something bigger than all of that? What do I abide in? That's the word for today. That's why it's so important in the scripture. Love is the power that abides in something bigger. Now they say that small people talk about things and gossip. How much of your conversations about, are about things and gossip? I'm not pointing fingers. I do it too sometimes. Facebook is a great vehicle for talking about things and gossip. Oh, man, I can't wait to get that thing. Or that thing's really making me mad. Or what she did with that thing is terrible. Or what she did with that thing is really great. Things and gossip. And I like it. You click the button. Now I participated in a conversation. I'm a friend. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Can you imagine, like, Sheldon, I, I'm sorry, but can you imagine, like, Ben Franklin or something? Here's the, the, the whole sum total of human knowledge, and we use it to take pictures of nachos. Come on. Or to talk about how someone's out to get us when they're not. But it keeps me in the level of the problem instead of on the space of the solution. Small people talk about things and gossip. Big people talk about ideas and feelings. You get to decide what ideas move you. And what ideas keep you the same. We're not going to be the kind of people that get caught up in superficialities not anymore. Put another way, you're not allowed to hate your job anymore. I'm sorry, I know it's fun, 
You're not allowed to hate your romantic partner anymore. You're not allowed to hate your kids anymore. You're not allowed to hate the government or the economy or the city or the... You're not allowed to hate it anymore. You know why? Because hate is a power that stagnates. Hate is the cop-out that keeps things the same. Yeah, I get it. Maybe you have a job that you're not crazy about. Do you think hate is going to make it change? You know about geographical cures. Maybe you'll get out of that job, but you'll keep doing the same thing somewhere else. You can hate that romantic partner, and finally things get so bad that you leave, but you're going to carry those same things with you if you stay in a hate space. If you live and are defined by what you don't like, if every Facebook post is about how things don't work, they're going to keep on not working. And so you know where I'm going with this. If you turn the power of love and focus it on the job, on the relationship, on the situation, on the way that you vote, on the things that you buy, on what you post on Facebook or wherever you happen to be. If you turn the laser beam-like focus of love to that, things will start to change. Really, it is that simple because love is the power that arrives. Love is the power that demands change. I'm not saying if the job is no good, you have to stay there forever. But I am saying if you hate it, you're never going to go. But if you really arrive for it, if you really show up for that job or for that relationship, if I'm really here, one of two things will happen. Either I will get so good at it because I'm really here with my whole heart, I will get better at it. It will promote me. We'll grow together, whatever it is. Or I can finally break the cycle of the geographical cure because I really was there for it. I didn't run from it. I faced it. I gave it my whole heart. And now I know no one's listening to me. So just like the Lord said, I shook the dust from my sandals and I moved on. But first, I gave it my heart. You want to fix it, learn how to love it. So the natural question at this point is, well, that's great. How do I love? And I've prepared an interpretive dance. No. no. <laughs> oh, boy. That would be something to love. Um, People go, okay, love is, you, you, you've beaten it down to the ground. Okay, love is how it works. If I want to get good at life, get good at love. I get it. It's this thing that abides in me. I get it. How do I do it? I haven't been trained for this. I thought that love is something that James Bond does for 30 seconds after he shoots the bad guy. There's penicillin for that. I thought that it was a lot of things that it isn't. I'm not trained for it. It's not a Hallmark card moment. What is love then? How do I get good at love? It turns out it's not so hard because, like I said, love is what you're made out of. All you have to do is listen. But specifically, let us be the kind of people who get good at love. Let us be connoisseurs of it. Let love be the thing that captures our attention. So start where you start. Think about how you feel when you look at pictures of puppies on the internet. I don't care where you start. I care about you, but I don't care where you start. Think about how you feel when you, when you eat your favorite cookie, when your jam is on the radio, when whatever it is. Think about how you feel with whatever it is that you love. You love something. Start there. Start with how it feels. Start with what you think about it. Start with how it moves you and moves in you. And be the kind of person that gets good at it. Collect things that you love. Write them down if you want to write them down. Post about those things on Facebook instead of about what's broken. Decide that that's what captures your attention and something amazing happens. When you set up your expectancy for things that you're going to love, you make, you make room for love. And I know it seems silly, but start where you start. It's okay if it's low weight, high reps, like I always say. 
But sooner or later, if you get good at this, if love is the thing that captures your attention and your passion and your focus instead of whatever doesn't work, whatever doesn't abide, if you focus on what does work, sooner or later, the big change, the miracle, the, the leap of faith happens when the dog catches its tail, so to speak, and you stop thinking about love like you're looking at it from the outside, and you start thinking love when it moves in you, when it stops being that moment of how can I get what do I want, instead it becomes what does love want from me. It will change for you if you work on your receptivity. Now we talk about people falling in love and making the world go round in those great gravitational terms. We talk about it all kinds of different ways. It's a many splendored thing. But you know what it feels like when you're moved by something. Because the thing that you know is that love does not allow, it demands. Love does not allow, it demands. Love is that power that moves in you, but what happens when you set it loose out into the world? It starts kicking down walls, and man, oh man, there are walls between people and happiness and truth and justice that need to be kicked down. Love does not allow, it demands. And every frustration you ever felt is love in you demanding more from you. Every frustration you ever felt is love in you demanding something. It is the voice of God calling you and I to be happy. Love and you'll be happy. To be healthy, love, and you'll be healthy. To be prosperous, love, and you will be successful and prosperous. And finally, love demands that we be free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.